Hello, my podcast people. We are going to be more free flowing today with the power. I will still layer in a bunch of nervous system facts, money facts, and get a little bit more personal today. Well, I've gone personal a little bit on the last ones, but just think of this as you, me, sitting down, nerding out about the nervous system and how it impacts our money. Money, honey. Because as you know, my whole thing is that if you've been struggling or whatever word you want to say with money, the missing link truly is the nervous system because we are taught that we are brains on sticks. We just totally forget we have this body, which is crazy because our body and the state of our body, state of our nervous system impacts our behavior, our mind, and really our sense of being in this world. When our body, when our nervous system feels safe and connected, we are abundant. We are powerful. We are who we want to be when we grow up. (laughs) But when we're under threat, we are small. We are scared. We are not making the best decisions for ourselves, for our money, for our life. So that is sort of the vibe of this podcast. As you notice, I no longer have an intro. We just jump right in because who else just forwards through intros? I do. But if you want to know a little bit about me, my name is Hadley. I am a money coach and nervous system educator. And there's a couple ways to work with me. One is one-on-one, which I love because we can go deep into your money needs and transform your relationship with money for the rest of your dang life, which is beautiful. And I also have these monthly money circles, which only cost $3. And if you're only going to do one thing with money, that is the thing to do because we come together as women to talk about money from last week and think about the month ahead. And I bring in a simple activity that can be really powerful to reframe your experience with money. And then you can share as much or as little as you want. But actually, because there's so much shame and guilt around money, By coming together and sharing these things, it can lift a huge weight off your shoulder. It can just make these things feel so much lighter and approachable, more accessible for you. And when there's something on the calendar every month that you know that you're going to be looking at your money, you're going to be doing something about it, that can really just unlock so much for you. So those are two ways to work with me if you are interested. Okay, so I don't know how many of you have heard of Morning Pages, but it's this part of this book called The Artist's Way. And the idea is you sit down every morning and you write three pages. That's it. (laughs) And so I just invite other people into this practice because this is my new approach to writing my podcast is letting it be more stream of consciousness and more free-flowing. Because if you've listened to my other ones, they've been quite dense scientifically. And so this is going to be more of a, a mix and more storytelling vibes. So if you have feedback on that, are you like this compared to the other ones? Let me know because that would be wonderful. Also, this is a new podcast. And so if you could rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. And also sharing it with other people, that makes such a big difference for me. And I would just appreciate that so much. So let's dig in on um, today's topic is the social nervous system. And this aspect of the nervous system is what has impacted my life more than anything else. And 
let's get into what it is. So we, we talk about the nervous system in my first episode. I talked about holy vagal theory, but it's a ladder where there's like the first rung of the ladder is this social and connected ventral vagal. It's called ventral vagal. It's the fancy word. The social connected part of it, the nervous system where you have this desire to belong and to connect with others. And this is where I believe abundance lives when we're in this social engagement, safe and connected part of the nervous system is where we can see possibilities. That's how I've described it to date. But the social nervous system, just like the other rungs of the ladder of polyvagal theory and the nervous system. So we've talked about before is there's the ventral vagal that's safe and connected. Then there is the sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, where under threat that with money can look like avoidance, can look like being super controlling, can look like pulling your money out of stock market the second that the market drops. It's just this hyper vigilance or this avoidance of money in the fight or flight. And then there's the dorsal vagal parasympathetic, which is collapse freeze, where you might be just shutting down around money altogether. And when the topic comes up and there's conversations about it, you just shut down and freeze, like can't talk about it, can't really do much about it, maybe start disassociating around the topic of money. So that's the dorsal vagal parasympathetic. And that's all of that under threat. So far, what I've really talked about is when the system is under threat, when you perceive money as a threat, then it gets into that fight or flight where you're anxious, avoidant, or the freeze where you shut down. But there's also this, and, I, and I've talked about the social nervous system, the, the social part as being the happy place. <laughs> Which is true, but also the social engagement part of the nervous system can also be under threat. And that's what we're going to talk about today is when the social part of the nervous system, the social nervous system feels under threat. What does that look like? When, yeah, when it's, when we're feeling saved, we're feeling this connection. But what about when that part of the nervous system is under threat as well? And that's where maybe you've heard about the response foreign before. So that's then becoming more popular where we hear fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Another F thrown into the mix. So fawn, that's sort of the good girl. That's the people pleasing. That's the codependency. Fawning is when you kind of override your own needs, like deprioritize them, maybe even disconnect and, and stop paying attention to your own needs or maybe you don't even know what they are because you're so busy looking around you at the needs of other people and seeing how you can meet their needs because you develop this sort of magical thinking approach that by scanning and interpreting and anticipating the needs of other people that then by meeting those needs and magically you will be safe. That is the fawn response. So it's kind of like going over and above to appease and make that person really happy and do sort of whatever it takes to make them happy, even if it means 
deprioritizing your needs, ignoring them, or maybe altogether forgetting or not knowing what your needs are. So that's how I like to describe the fond response. It'd be interesting to hear from you how you might define fawn or maybe how you've experienced fawn. So reach out to me and if this resonates with you, sort of what fawn has looked in your life, but really fawn is that connection to people. It's like when safety and connection and belonging feel under threat, then you'll kind of go over and above to like appease and fit in. Fitting in, that's a big one. That's a big, big one for me is that fitting in response part of the fawn, fawn response when you feel under threat. It's like, oh, I, I need to, you know, fit in with people so that I can feel safe. And there's probably, you know, some evolutionary perspective here, right? <laughs> I feel like you're here all the time. When we lived in the tribes and you didn't want to get kicked out of the tribe, you had to fit in and belong because if you were kicked out of that tribe, then you really couldn't get by. Whereas nowadays, that's not really true, right? We can operate very independently. And that part of the nervous system is now adaptive, meaning it evolved, has over as we've evolved, it no longer really serves us in survival. It's actually negative for our experience. And so this fond response, I think, in my own life, when I heard it in the context of the social nervous system and wanting to survive by meeting other people's needs and feeling like I could be safe and okay if I'm keeping everyone else around me happy. I was like, oh my God, that is, that is so true. <laughs> this needs to get out into the world. And then also the layer of that with money into the mix. Boom, that's powerful. So we'll talk about that today, about the social nervous system and money and what that really means of codependency. And you know, if you call yourself an empath, like a highly sensitive person and money, the connection between those things, that is what we're talking about today. Yeah, so let's dive in to that connection, money and social nervous system when we're feeling under threat and we're in that fawn response. So I'll break this down by income and then spending and savings. So when we think about income and the fawn response, whoa, <laughs> there's so much to unpack here. Like if you, and I just encourage you to take a moment even and think about how, what ideas are even coming before I share anything. Just what I've explained around the fawn response about people pleasing to feel safe and deprioritizing your own needs or even forgetting you have them or overriding them altogether to meet the needs of like, people in the workplace so that you can make money and survive and fit in. Like, what comes to mind for you? Like, what stories before I even get into mine is coming up for you? Because I think just having this realization can be so powerful because it's such a driving factor and it's really our physiology, like our body overriding our minds. And so maybe you get mad at yourself for people-pleasing. You get mad at yourself for overriding your own needs. And it's like, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep living this way? 
you know, or maybe you blame your boss or something. Why are they so demanding? They just are overriding and having all these rules that make me override my needs. Okay, let's see that as from the social nervous system perspective of like, you're under threat, which in past podcasts, I've talked about when you're under threat, your ability to think straight, your executive, strategic, long-term thinking mind is offline, and you're just operating from this emotional, instinctual drive to feel safe and connected. And empathy moment, compassion moment, right here, right now. Let's just soak that in. That's a moment for self-compassion of, okay, this people-pleasing I've been doing is a physiological response to my environment. Okay. So now I'll get into some examples of income. So I can, you know, speak from my own experience. If you've heard a little bit of, of my story is, dang, I was such, and, you know, still have people pleasing tendencies, but they're not ruling my life anymore. You know, they were ruling my life. <laughs> so I majored in college, something that would be just the most practical thing. I wasn't like, what do I want? I was like, what society is deemed worthy and important? And how can I go down that path so that I can fit in and be stable and, and fitting in and also being successful, right? Because fitting in is meaning that you're achieving the definition of success that is accepted by society. So I was like, okay, in college, I was like, what can I do that is, is the most stable? What can I do to be the good girl that my parents would be proud of? I want to make my parents proud. I want to see that everything they poured into me like, will pay off because I will be so responsible and do exactly what I'm supposed to do, which is like be successful. So I'm going to pick this major that will be the most guarantee of that. Ironically, I was an economics major and I was like, what the heck, why? And then now as I'm doing money coaching, I use that way more than I ever have in my corporate career. But yeah, so maybe, you know, you can't do the wrong path to a certain extent. It comes back around full circle, but that's why I chose economics because it felt the most stable, not because I thought I'd become a money coach. <laughs> Fine. All right. So what happened to me then? I was like, oh my gosh, what is the most stable thing I can do after college? So I got a corporate career locked down a year before I graduated. <laughs> and yeah, it wasn't a bad move. I went and I worked at Target headquarters in Minneapolis. And I knew though that that's not what I really wanted to do. I was in a dance class I took in college, a dance and choreography class. And like, I broke down crying. And I had never cried in class before, which... I'm not saying crying class is a bad thing, but you know, it's like context matters. <laughs> you don't want to cry everywhere. But I was crying in class because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going down this path that I know is not true for me, but I'm doing it anyways. You know, just putting the needs of others and fitting in and being successful by the terms of other people so that they would accept me and like me was way more important to me at that time. Then being like, what do I actually want to do with my what wild or precious life? To quote Mary Oliver, like, what is it that I actually want to do? 
didn't do that, you know, just went like, straight into working this corporate job, which honestly, nothing is all bad. <laughs> I gained so much confidence doing that, doing that path. And because I went in and I had low confidence and then I was really able to rock it out in that job. And that was what I needed at the time. I needed that confidence. So I'm not saying this stuff is all bad. There's so much love we can shed upon our past selves instead of, why'd you do that? It's like, wow, you were growing and you were gaining confidence and you were going down a path that wasn't the most alive for you because, you know, your 20s a lot of times are full of figuring out what you don't want. So I nailed that. <laughs> you know, to get clearer on what I do want. So, yeah, long story short, is in con, maybe choosing a path that isn't what you want to do, but will just help you fit in. And that's my personal story. Maybe yours is different. And that's cool to share with me. I'd like to hear how your story, like how is the social mortgage system apply in your income earning story, even if it's different than mine. And also, even within the workplace, how might you be overriding your own needs, be it physical, emotional, spiritual, to fit in in the culture or to please your boss? How are you overriding your own needs so you can get that paycheck? Right? Like how are you putting your needs of other people ahead of your own at work? And then make it, maybe making that, that might be making you bitter. <laughs> you know, the bitter thing is maybe it's not that other person, but it's your so in your fond response that you're just continually overriding that person's desires over your own. And that's where it can be well tricky, right? We can get into these cycles of blaming other people, but really they're showing us, like they're bumping up against us to help us get back into alignment. There's something out of alignment. And poking it, poking it, poking it, poking it, poking it. And it's like, oh, that person, stop it. Why are they so difficult? But it's actually getting you to your, your breaking point where, oh my God, I can't be people pleasing anymore in my life. I can't be fawning anymore in my life. Even if that means that I have to relook at how I'm making money. Even if it means that I have to actually step into who I am and who I want to be and who I'm becoming. Because at work, you might also be seeing in order to like keep your job and keep that paycheck, you have to code switch, which is this term of when you have to adapt your personality, how you talk and how you look, your appearance to fit in in the culture, to be acceptable by your boss or, or for the culture or whatever. So where are you actually changing how you look, how you talk so that you fit in and please other people but it's going against your authenticity and there's a Gabor Mate quote around this and he speaks this really well where he says often we choose attachment over authenticity we give up our voice does that kid anyone else like it gets me because it gets me we choose attachment we choose fitting in that safe and connecting that fawning over our authenticity. We give up our voice so that we can fit in, so that we can make money, so that we can get by. Mm, what gets me? 
you know, this also could look like income-wise pursuing a career that your parents wanted for you or that you've been taught to believe is more respectable and just totally overriding your own desires, giving up your authenticity to fit in. So, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of one of those things sit with you. So let's move into spending. Now, this is an interesting one as well with the social nervous system. Like so much of our spending is tied to people around us, to relationships. If you think about it, a lot of your spending is to build, create, maintain relationships. Thinking about now that sitting in, buying clothes, cars, keeping up with the Joneses, other material things. That maybe deep down you don't want or like, but you feel like you need them to fit in. Or maybe aren't even at the point where you know what you like. So you're just getting what other people want because you think that that's what you want. Right? <laughs> you're like, actually, I don't know what my authenticity is. I don't authentically know how I want to attract or trust myself. So I'm just going to do what other people around me are doing and buy that. Oh. <laughs> This is sending me to, mm, it's so good. So it also might be, you feel like you have to like get the bill with friends or like your drinks or public food or whatever, when you don't actually want to, like, despite the negative consequences, you're, you know, not going to have enough money to get by in some other way. So you might feel you have to be overly generous above and beyond what feels comfortable for you because of something around fitting in or how you want to be seen or liked by others. Just what is the persona or how you're wanting to show up with other people and how is that affecting your spending in relationships? And then also, I think a big one is it coming down to the shoulds of spending. I should spend money on this because I need to maintain or keep or impress this person, like keep this relationship going. Like you feel like it's expected that you need to go to a bachelorette party despite the negative consequences of it for you financially. Maybe, and maybe you don't want to go actually, you know, despite the negative consequences for you financially, but also you don't want to go. But then you still go because you feel like you should because you're worried about risking that friendship. And like you're worried about someone being mad at you for not going feels unbearable. So you just do it anyways, even though you don't want to. And, you know, there's still beyond money too but there's so many examples i'm sure you can think of if you feel like you need to spend a certain amount or a gift for someone but you don't have that money um but you just feel like you have to <laughs> and it goes against like what you actually like your authenticity it goes against your voice it goes against you prioritizing your needs because you feel like you should or need to and then let's shift into savings this one is so interesting right now because Clients and friends have been telling me, well, when I just don't have savings because I just, like, when I have it, I just give it away. Or I just spend it. I, I don't, I can't keep it. It just goes. <laughs> and there's different elements of this, of course, that I'll just dive into a couple here today. But when I hear this coming up lately is about people giving money away, I, I really see this so tied to the social nervous system and the thing about the social nervous system is that women are 
disproportionately impacted by it, more influenced by the social nervous system biologically than men because it, it was developed as a bonding system for mothers and children. It's how we develop our safe attachment. And as women then, we're wired to be more connected to this social nervous system, to more perceptive of the needs of others and then more likely to prioritize those needs of other people or try to appease those needs of other people to try to find safety within ourselves. So as women, we're more likely to feel this way and maybe, oh, I have money, but look, there's other people that need it more. I should just give it to them. It's just sitting in my bank account. They just need it. You know, so we're more likely to be looking and codependent or people pleasing or finding our safety within giving the safety to other people than as opposed to creating safety for ourselves first. And I think this is just an important distinction because again, we can come back, oh, there's this physiological, this like physical, this body need that like, overriding and kind of taking over my thought patterns of, oh, I don't need it, they need it more. But then that's sacrificing our own ability to be financially independent and to set financial intentions and have a financial plan if we're continually giving our money to other people as gifts or as donations. And I think that's just something to think about is, whoa, okay, there's actually the social nervous system at play here. As a woman, I'm you know, more likely to do that. So how can I be aware of this and find a balance, the middle path? Not like, okay, now I'm hoarding my money and not like giving everything away, but hey, I'm in the middle here. I have this value of generosity, of giving, of helping others. How can I create a giving plan so that I have some containment, some boundaries around what I give and then I can feel really good about what what I'm giving? How can I then feel really abundant and authentic? And like, just know that this is coming from a place of my cup is overflowing and I want to give to others versus I'm just draining from my own cup to give to people. And then at the end of the day, I don't actually have what I need to meet my own needs. So when you're giving, see, am I prioritizing the needs of other people before meeting my own? Because over time, that's going to lead to decisions that are out of alignment for you. So it's really, how can I? create a giving plan and then pay myself first or pay my dreams first because the more you pay yourself first as a heart-centered woman the more that you pay your dreams first and advocate for your dreams the more you're going to be able to become more of you over time so what does that mean if you are generous now if you are giving to other people when you can first come into alignment with your own needs and have that middle power like the buddhists say then people power of paying myself first having a giving plan then over time you're going to be able to grow your money and be more of you more generous in the future giving more to friends more to people that in need than you can now and so that's like a good thing to keep in mind as you think about the social nervous system the farm response codependency and and I think it brings up a whole other topic around attachment styles and money, which maybe that would be the next podcast I dig into. It just to 
kind of conclude around the social nervous system where we feel unsafe. There are two directions emotionally we can go. And one is scanning for belonging. It's like comparing yourself to others and finding why other people are different than you, why people are similar to you, and maybe like seeing how you can manipulate and change yourself to fit in or like forego your own needs to appease the needs of other people to fit in. And then the other direction, emotionally, we can go imposter syndrome where you just, I don't have a right to be here. Why am I here? I don't fit in. This isn't the place for me. And just going down that spirally path of, I don't really know what I'm doing anyways. And just going in on yourself, day in, beating yourself up about not belonging, not fitting in. So it's just like looking at how those things then show up with money, right? The scanning for belonging. Okay, that might drive you to buy and spend money on things that you actually don't need. It might drive you to get a career to fit in with your peers that you actually don't want or to appease your parents or be deemed a successful society, but that's not actually authentic to you, that you just want to belong. You're scanning for belonging. Or imposter syndrome is you're just feeling like, well, I don't have a right to be here. I don't have a right to take up space. And how could that drive your spending? Okay, you're going to try to self-soothe in other ways, which then impacts your you're spending too, right? Like maybe then you buy yourself items that, okay, well, I have the money, so I'm going to buy myself this new thing to make myself feel better and soothe myself. But really, you're not actually coming into your authenticity and alignment. You're just like, numbing and soothing. So those are, you know, just some things about how the social nervous system plays into money. And let's, let's talk about how it can be good too, right? That was just the social nervous system under threat. But when we feel safe, when our social nervous system, when we're in that ventral vagal, safe and connected place, that's where you will drive. That's where you have motivation. That's how when you have discernment is when you're in that place, you're able to, you know, go into the safe place of fight mode where you're able to go after your dreams, go after what you're wanting. So and then you're also able to be safe and connected and see possibilities connect with new people i think what's it called it's like loose ties new opportunities come to you through these loose ties not through your best friend but the new person that you met and you kind of know but their network extends beyond yours so by being in the safe and connected place you're able to connect with these loose ties and see new possibilities through them which then brings new opportunities to you and that's abundance that's manifestation that is where you're able to see these possibilities and find growth. So like that desire for safety and connection is so beautiful when we feel safe. But when we feel under threat, it can, you know, put you into fun or being thirsty. <laughs> you know, like, how can we apply these analogies of our relationship to money with our relationship to dating, whoever you're dating, if you're dating a man or a woman, whatever. When you think about this stuff with with money and it's so relationship driven and you have this relationship with money but then you also use money in relationships how does that impact also translate into your relationship with dating and in relationship <laughs> like just kind of drawing those connections it can be really interesting so I'll wrap this one up here. Again, it'd be so great if you can share this with someone that you might think would find it interesting or give me a review, a rating on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, come to the Monthly Money Circle. It's on the first Sunday of the month at 5 p.m. 
specific time. And you can get a link to that by going onto my Instagram and clicking on the link in my bio and navigating to the link to sign up and you'll get an email with info on it. Um, if you're interested about maybe work on one-on-one, you can book a financial clarity call with me. It's complimentary, 60 minutes. We dive into what are your desires with money? What's working well today? You know, playing on what's working well. It's not taking that what's wrong attention to our money, but okay, where are we strong? Where where are we good? You know, even if we have to search a little, find that there's something good about where you are. <laughs> and then tapping into that desire and see what's blocking you so that I can help you create a plan for a path forward, whether that's you know, working with me one-on-one now or something else. Um, there's no pressure. So it'd be great if you could, yeah, jump on a call with me and we can talk about your financial flourishing journey. I've been liking that word lately. So thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you again soon on the next podcast.